Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And today we are doing a wisdom for living, specifically the fear of the Lord. Now, we do a lot of different things on the podcast, as you know, if you've been listening. Uh, and as we do it, we find just natural groupings of different types of episodes. So we have our Systematic Theology series. How long have we been doing that now? Oh, well over a year. I think. Uh, pretty pretty soon after we started. Yeah, yeah. So, but we're giving them a full so systematic like, theology. Yeah, three years. Um, we also have our Fixing Fables and, or maybe the decision-making series we did. Well, this is just a small little series we do whenever we have the opportunity, usually when we don't have time to write other scripts. And so, it's just called Wisdom for Living. It's, it's that practical understanding of how to live wisely before God, right? Mm -hmm. So wisdom, when you think about it from the perspective of the Bible, it's simply learning to skillfully apply the word of love, word of God to life. And so the Old Testament term used actually speaks of those who are skilled craftsmen or musicians. So if you see about the building of the tabernacle, and they'll talk about somebody who is in charge of the of some aspect of it, well, and they'll say that he was skilled with a gold uh, work. And it actually is the same word for wise. Um, well, the wise women and the wise men are people who aren't just wise to the ways of this world. That's actually just being crafty. Rather, a, a wise person is a person who understands the word. He understands the character of God in such a way that it affects how he lives. Uh, there's a real purpose for what they do and why they do it. So their emotions then are put under control so that the motivation that drives them is the glory of God. So you don't hear them ever give you the excuse, well, I was afraid or I didn't do it because it, it, it made me sad or uncomfortable. That sort of person is far more rare than we like to think, uh, the wise person meaning. Uh, it's our goal then to raise up churches that are literally bursting with wise men and women who are training younger people and new Christians in the way of wise living. So with that as an introduction, we want to move into the topic of today, which is the fear of the Lord. Primary, the primary source we're going to be drawn from here is the book of Proverbs, but we, we're not certainly afraid to branch out from there to other books of the Bible, but primarily you're going to hear a lot of private, uh, Proverbs. Okay, so uh, fear of the Lord. This is this this idea uh, in Proverbs is foundational to the entire book. Uh, in fact, literally, it, it bookends it. So, uh, in one seven, for example, it says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction." And then at the end, in thirty one ten, says, "Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised." The fear of the uh, this kind of fear is, is one of actual fear, um, uh, but also of reverence and awe. Yeah, it's not just your quaking. In your boots, right. But it's also not that you're quaking. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's both and. Uh, so it's, it's the type of fear when you, 
get into the presence or come into the presence of a person with great authority and great power. Um, we'll even see this in a small way when we ask a person to come into our office. Um, you kind of get the, the deer in the headlights, headlights like, look. oh, no, what I do wrong? Yep. Um, in our nation, anxiety is a huge issue, and we would argue that the reason for that is that the object of their fear is on the wrong thing or things. So if we are not wise, then we put our hope and pleasure and joy in the wrong places. And as Jeremiah 2 says, these are broken cisterns that in the end bring no relief. Family, friends, money, health, all those things will pass away. All those things will betray us, but it is in those things that we put our hope and invest our time and energy in. We find them slipping away when we become afraid, um, and, and it really ends up being that simple. And so when we train our minds to be afraid, then that grows and grows until it becomes life dominating. So when you see the phrase, uh, the fear of the Lord, or uh, typically it's in all capital letters, yeah. so it's actually Yahweh, fear of Yahweh, uh, you have to understand that. Um, and you have to understand that the fear of Yahweh can only be understood together, both, that is both fear and Yahweh. Uh, and that's important. If you try to grasp fear all by itself, uh, you will fail. And if you try to grasp the person of God in isolation uh, from fear, you will fail. Uh, and why? Well, first, because the fear of the Lord is found in God's revelation of himself. That makes sense if you just think about it uh, for a second. How can you fear uh, what or who you don't know? Uh, so to fear the Lord assumes you know the Lord. Um, Psalm 19 makes this explicit. David uses several terms there that all re relate back to the word of God. But in 19, seven through nine, it says, the law of the Lord or Yahweh is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And then verse nine, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Uh, so you hear that little phrase in verse nine. Um, the fear of the Lord is mentioned, and it's mentioned as being the very word of God. Um, so that tells us that the fear of the Lord is not just a sense of fear that, that we might show, but it's something given to us by God himself, and it's in his word. Yeah. Second, in light of that revelation, then, a proper response becomes that of fear. Fear, it's fear because what you see and now know is far grander than anything else. It's fear because it captures your life and soul. It is fear because you become now conformed to what and who you know. Fear that tells you that you are not Lord and master anymore and that he truly is worthy of both of those titles, uh, which is why this fear is not some merely quivering panic attack as much as it is life altering. Um, though there are there may very well be times where you are left shaking. Uh, too many stories in the Bible that we could point you to for that. So we want to give you four ways the fear of the Lord works in a person's life. And I'll give you the first one. The first is that the fear of the Lord is where all true knowledge begins. So in, uh, he, he already quoted it, but Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, we can already draw some conclusions from that. The first is that knowledge must begin with God. If it doesn't, then it's not true knowledge. This is why the education system is doomed to fail, even in many Christian schools, because the knowledge taught is not infused with the person of God. 
The second would be that if you do not rightly know God, then you cannot have true knowledge. And this is where Romans 1 comes in. It breaks it down in a very painful way. He says in verse 18 and following, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because, now hear this, that which is known about God is evident where? Within them. For God has made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood. Those are all thinking terms uh, through which what has, through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. So there you just have it clean. They, they know God and yet they reject it and suppress it. And then that spins off all of this other folly. But this idea of being a fool is not where it ends. There are, there's a consequence to it. So that it continues in Romans 1. Therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of their heart, to impurity, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. Why? For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge, again, a thinking thing, uh, did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the, those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but give also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So the final conclusion about the fear of the Lord in this first point is that the knowledge is only found in God, which is what we just saw in Romans 1. They abandon God, and the downward spiral is inevitable. So this tells us that using anything other than the Word of God centered upon the person of God, will only fail the people of God. We encourage our people at our churches to read through the Bible together every year. Why? To know God. And we can see the difference in those who actually train their minds to do so and those who do not. That's, that's something I have learned over the years is, you know, you, we, we start reading every year the Bible, and everyone starts out, and then some people— You'll, you'll ask them three, four months in, and these are people often who struggle in various things, right? And you say, how are you doing with your Bible reading? Oh, I'm a little behind. How far behind? Well, you're two months behind. Uh, and so you already know. what the, the problem is not whatever is their presenting problem. It's always you, you, you have not yet learned to discipline your mind to be a person of the Word. Um, simple as that. So we teach then also from the pulpit and in classrooms, we teach the word very carefully to the church for that same 
reason. We expect the parents to be men and women of the word so that their households are drenched with the scriptures and the family walks in the constant awareness of God. Here then is a great uh, quote that popped up on Facebook uh, uh, posted by one of our listeners, Billy uh, Yarosh, that perfectly fits our point. Um, This is from J.I. Packer. The healthy Christian is not necessarily the extrovert, ebullient Christian, but the Christian who has a sense of God's presence stamped deep on his soul, who trembles at God's word, who lets it dwell in him richly by constant meditation upon it, and who tests and reforms his life daily in response to it. That's a good one. Good quote. Um, Second of all, the fear of the Lord naturally leads you to begin to live differently. So to have a fear of the Lord requires that uh, you you know God properly and then to arrange yourself under him and, of course, his revelation properly. So one can't say that they love their wife but then treat her like a dog. Uh, Love requires action. Uh, In the same way, you cannot say that you fear God, but your life shows a pattern of rebellion. As you grow in fearing God, your life must change and begin to conform itself into that image of God. Uh, So Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So notice how this here starts with the idea of trust in verse 5 and then ends in verse 7 with fear. Um, And then in the middle of that is to acknowledge him. Um, There are other contrasts too. Um, Trust in Yahweh, not your own sense of right or wrong. Don't trust in your own wisdom, but instead fear Yahweh instead. A lot of pastoral uh, counseling would not need to be said if that was simply heated. Uh, I think we could say that. Amen. (laughs) Um, The Huffington Post had an article titled, 10 Reasons to Follow Your Heart. That is the blind leading the blind. Um, your heart is deceitful and it is um, naturally oriented toward this age. It exalts pride and diminishes humility. Uh, in other words, it does not have a fear of God naturally flowing from it. As a Christian, we do not have a new heart, um, or we do have a new heart, but it's still in the presence of sin. And so we fight uh, and we will wander at times with great ease, which is why we are warned constantly not to trust ourselves. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. That is a passage that you should lean on uh, in giving counsel. As you begin the process, what you want to look for is how the person actually views his need for wise counsel. Is he a person who is right in his own eyes or will he listen and consider? Uh, I actually had that conversation with the man in our church and, um, the issue of pastoral counsel came up, and um, basically, what he asked about: Well, how often do you find people not listening to your counsel? And I, I, I mean, I don't track it, but I said I conservatively say eighty percent of the time my counsel is ignored, and um, it is what it is. But you know, the wise man is one who listens to that counsel, um, it, and hopefully, and I'm assuming I'm a wise man, and that's why they're seeking the counsel. But it it does amaze me sometimes how easy we as humans just discard wise counsel. So anyhow, third, the fear of the Lord is therefore seen as you reflect his character. So Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord 
and turn from evil. You convince yourself, though, that you are wise and right. But as you read the word with the goal of knowing God, you will discover two things about your heart. The first is that you will see what you truly desire and how it does not actually conform to the will of the Lord. The second is that as you read and then heed what is revealed, that your affections and your values will begin to shift and become become more aligned with God, which is a good thing. Uh, fear the Lord, though, uh, fear of the Lord requires you to turn away from evil. So the opposite is true as well. Proverbs 14.2 says, he who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is crooked in his ways despises him. Now, this is very much like James 1 about how you, about you showing your faith by your works. But the uprightness is not how you fear the Lord as much as it, it is because you, or let me say it again, it's not so much that you uh, how you fear the Lord, that's not upright walking, it's because you fear the Lord that you walk upright. It's the fear of the Lord that motivates the upright walk. This is also similar to the idea Paul uses in his uh, various ways of saying put on and put off. You put off lies and you put on truth telling. And you will fail if all you try to do is put off lies or any other sin. Rather, you need to put on a fear of the Lord, which only comes through the Spirit-inspired Word. As you put on this, then there will be less room for sin. Simply put, as you learn and delight and fear the Lord via the word, it conforms you to his character. Yeah. Fourth, we would say that the fear of the Lord will ultimately overwhelm and cancel out all other fears. So think uh, worship or loves when you think about fear uh, on this one. Proverbs fourteen twenty six says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have refuge. Uh, this is this is at the root of anxiety that captures you and brings you paralysis. Something has replaced your fear of the Lord. Um, but as you learn who he is, uh, and specifically through his word, your confidence grows. As you think wrongly, um, there is there's as, as you think wrongly, there is truth that you can now battle it. Um, so think about how many parents, for example, might send their children into the world, but they do it with very little biblical thinking. Think about yourself. How immersed are you in the word of God that it coats your mind? How often do you reflect upon the many ways God shows you faithfulness each day? The fear of the Lord is not some pathetic quivering, but the kind that actually strengthens the joints so that you stand strong and firm. Uh, Proverbs three twenty-five through 26 says, do not be afraid of sudden fear, nor the onslaught of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So we can say that if fear and anxiety and worry are frequent guests in your heart, uh, the answer will not lie in a pill. Um, Ultimately, it's not gonna lie in therapy or some kind of escape. Rather, it will begin by learning the fear of the Lord. So let us give you a little bit of counsel on how to develop a fear of the Lord. Um, and we, we warn you that this is nothing new or deep, but uh, it is the same counsel you'll hear from us in any other context, but it is, it is good counsel. First of all, we'd say, read your Bible. Uh, make that your habit. Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says that like a city that is broken into without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. The only way to begin to protect your heart is to build those walls. Uh, and for a time, 
they're going to be short. They'll be uneven walls, uh, but you keep building on them. Uh, and in time, they will become that source of protection. Um, but if you are, uh, if you're, if you're, if you were under the threat of attack, uh, the building of the walls would become your primary focus. Uh, it would not be um, done as you have time or feel like it. Uh, it's just primary. And yet, isn't that what we see all the time is people, they'll get to the Bible reading once they have all these other things that are so important or things that are causing them so much worry, but the very means by which you can protect against those things is the Word of God. And yeah, so you, yeah. you, you keep putting it off. Um, but but if you understand that's what's actually happening, then you become very focused. I need the Word of God. I need to learn this better because mm -hmm. I am constantly under the attack of fear, anxiety, dread, worry, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, that's not then let's get rid of all the worry and then I'll get the Bible. It's no, then get the Bible that, right that's then. That's literally how you do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that is, a I, I think, a, a way that younger or newer believers can be encouraged because they don't yet have the word of God abiding in them as strong. Right. And so that wall is, you know, an inch high. Um, and things are just stepping in and out with the greatest of ease. But with time and having the word come into your heart and become a stable foundation, it grows and grows and grows. And so the anxiety, the fear, those kinds of things aren't as quick to, yeah. to take over. Yeah, just um, give it time. It takes time. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, make it your habit and your primary focus to know God through his word. Um, so as you read your Bible, one of the things you can do is, is note how God reveals himself, uh, mark it. Um, your, your wife is known for this. Yeah, um, she actually has on the on some of the blank pages in the front and the back, he has all of the attributes of God written out. And so as she keeps reading through the Bible each year, she keeps finding a passage that relates to one of those attributes, and she marks it there. So when she needs, and so 30 years later, she is a, literally a wellspring of knowledge. And what's so sweet about it is that she can then give counsel to some woman who's struggling in something, and she's like, this woman needs to hear about the faithfulness of God. And she's not scrambling to, uh, what's a verse? She just opens up the first page of her Bible, finds faithfulness of God, and she'll have... 40, 50 verses, and she can share those. And it's, it's, well, which is another plug for a paper Bible. Yep. And stop using <laughs> your electronic Bible in church and in your reading. Get a paper one. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm doing something. Uh, it came from Lena, uh, Lena and Mark, who helped produce this show. Um, she asked me for a suggestion because over the years I've suggested that one thing you can do is have a paper Bible and pick a specific thing you want to look for in the Bible and highlight only that as you read through the Bible that year and then mark it uh, so that now you have a Bible with every verse talking about the peace of God or the mercies of, uh, or patience or whatever it might be, right? Um, and you can pull it down and anything highlighted relates to that. And so I thought, you know, I think I'll do that. So this year, I'm actually reading through the Bible uh, and I just bought a, a very inexpensive Bible, and I'm highlighting uh, the wrath of God in judgment. Um, and kind of so a, that's all I'm highlighting, huh? I, because I'm a, kind of a downer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well that's too bad. Uh, <laughs> so watch out, church. That's what I'm reading every single day. Um, but it, as you do that, again, 
you you start to develop this compendium of knowledge. Yeah, that's very good. Um, so, but then one of the things you can do is focus on the thing you're highlighting or marking, talk about it, reflect on one aspect that day from something you're reading, uh, write it out if you have to so that you can stick it on your desk, uh, over the microwave, whatever. Uh, in doing so, you're going to, again, begin to build brick by brick a wall around your heart as you contemplate your God who calls you his child, who redeems you from your lostness and sin, who seals you with the spirit, uh, all that good stuff so that you're now kept safe to the, you know, in your Christian walk to the end of this age. Uh, but it begins simply by opening your Bible. So let me make up one more brag on my wife, because if you were to come to our house and just start wandering around, you you will just find random post-its of Scripture. And she puts them around different places, and they're ever-changing that she wants to focus on or contemplate. Even in the shower. In the shower, she literally has eight and a half by 11 sheets of Scripture that she's working on memorizing. You know, and, I've... Uh, I've been known to take a shower at your house from time to time. Yes. And the first time I did that, I'm like working really hard. I'm like, all these things are just going to get soaked and I'm going to get yelled at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By Miss Kim. <laughs> yep. But, but she said, yeah, but it's just so funny on, it's stuck to the mirror. It's stuck in the shower. And so people say, well, I don't have time. It's like, neither does my wife. So what does she do? Well, she still takes a shower. She's going to put that there, and she's going to fixate her mind upon that. Is that not wisdom in action? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, mothers who are just trying to survive babyhood. <laughs> um, you know what? While you're feeding that child, have the Bible open. And it's picking up on that principle from the Deuteronomy, where literally yeah. put these on your doorposts, put it on your lentils, whatever. Yep. Literally, I mean, literally, physically surround yourself with the Word of God so that that is what your eyes are going to in Absolutely. times of fear. And, and it makes her a praiseworthy woman, uh, worthy of emulation. And, and I'm thankful because many women now in their church do seek to emulate that, and I, th nothing but good fruit will come from that. Yeah. So, um, if you're wanting to, to read through the Bible, uh, which, again, we're highly encouraging— uh, either one of our churches um, are doing a through the year in the Bible plan. So you can go to missiodayfellowship.org and join Missio Day. You can do the vinemke.org. You can join um, the Vines Bible reading. Well, and if, we're, if we remember, we'll provide you the links to both of those. Yeah. Um, and, and read it with people. Uh, and it's, it, it is encouraging. Um, so we plan to do another Wisdom for Living episode at some point. Um, so we'd say keep your eyes out for those. Make sure to tune in, join this conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the fear of the Lord. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And tell a friend. Mm -hmm.